time my word of welcome. We welcome all of you and those worshiping with us online this morning. On this Christmas morning, we, if you weren't here last night, you really missed a treat. We had great lessons and carols, scripture and then songs. Wonderful. I went home singing last night and woke up singing this morning, and I felt like it was just all one big day tied together. Um, you know, when Christmas comes on Sunday, it's special for preachers because they're here for Christmas Eve, and then they're right back here on Sunday morning, too, and some of you were as well. I saw a lot of people here from other places today. I got to visit with them and talk to them and uh, saw some folks I'd met before from Tennessee, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, if we kept talking, I'm sure we'd be related. Because <laughs> most people in Tennessee are related, you know. That's... <laughs> whether they want to be or not. That's just kind of the way it works out. But I saw some folks from other places too, and then there were people from Florida here as well. Warm, warm, sunny, warm, sunny Florida. That's where we are today, isn't it? Boy, howdy. But you know, it could be worse, right? Because uh, it's you just further north you go, the worse it gets. So I guess this is not so bad, huh? The wind, she was a howling this morning. Uh, and boy, I tell you, off the water, it's... Uh, it's something else, but I, we made it, didn't we? How many of you wore appropriate clothing today? You wore the right thing. How many of you didn't check the Weather Channel and now you're freezing? How many of you are too stubborn to admit it? Okay, well, I, at least I know who I'm dealing with then, right? So anyway, we're glad to see you today. Now, years ago, Laura and I, when we were young, years ago, when we were young, and we, you know, we grew up in Tennessee, but we've spent most of our ministry in Florida. And so when, when you're in the ministry, you always have Christmas Eve services and usually multiple services, and, uh, which is really interesting if you have children because you're there you know, forever. And, and uh, if, if Christmas does, if sun, it does fall on Sunday, then you know, your kids are like, what, we're going back to church again? You know, wait, it's Christmas, do we have to? You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, one year when it was not Christmas on Sunday, Laura and I decided, since our families were in Tennessee, that we would do something that we don't do anymore. <laughs> we did this once. We said, we're going to leave after the service on Christmas Eve, and we're going to drive to Tennessee to see our family. And it sounded like a good idea at the time. Uh, but you know, it's dark at night. Have you noticed that? When you're driving, it's dark. And uh, after you're just worn out anyway, and so we drove all night to try to get to Tennessee with family, and then we slept most of the day, the next day, but we got up there, we made it. And so we were living in Navarre, Florida, serving a church there, and we drove through Bruton, Alabama, and I'll never forget as we were driving through Bruton, there's one street there that is the main street, and they have these beautiful homes on each side of the street, and they're just all decorated, and some of them have entrance lobbies, you know, entrances to the hall, entrance hall, and, and they have glass on the doors and windows and, and you can see in and they've got steps going up and, and they've got big Christmas trees decorated and all kinds of lights and, and decorations and we were so impressed and we had plenty of time, right? So we drove around the block to see it again because it was so nice. So if you ever get the chance, Christmas Eve in Bruton, Alabama at night, it's really a pretty place and we drove and looked at those houses and it was so beautiful. And all over the world, in different cities, there are contests to determine who's going to have the most beautiful house at Christmas. So let me ask you a question. How would your house measure up? Would it be the most beautiful house at Christmas? 
Laura and I just recently moved and we can't find anything there. We, we do have a little tree, it's about that tall and it stands on a table and somebody gave it to us and so we got it up, there you go. And we've got one like that at our house in Birmingham and our granddaughter came in and she said, honey, you do have a tree, we do, we do have a little tree on a stand, but we don't know where our Christmas decorations are, we don't know where our underwear is, we're just trying to, to make it in this house. We've got, we've got, you think I'm kidding, we've got a lot of boxes and, and a lot of stuff to put away. So it's an interesting time this year. But I wanna ask you, what about the house where Jesus was born? It really didn't look anything like the houses in Bruton. And yet, as I think back about the house in which Jesus was born, it might be the most beautiful house at Christmas. If you read in Luke, the second chapter, verses six and seven, it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Well, what I'd like to do is give you five descriptive adjectives about the house in which Jesus was born, and I'd like to suggest that it might be the most beautiful house at Christmas. Is this the way you would describe your house? Let's take a look. First, it was a simple house. That's number one. Jesus' house was nothing fancy. It was on the side of a cave with a lean-to for animals together to get out of the weather and cold. They didn't have central air conditioning or heat or electricity. It didn't even have a doorbell that played those Christmas tunes. There were no microwaves, no TV, and no Wi-Fi. Just let that settle in for a minute, okay? It was simple. It was simple, but it housed the birth of God's Son. In Revelation 3:20, Jesus said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, it's simple enough that any child can understand. There's nothing complicated about it. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. These things that Jesus said, even little children could understand. One day the disciples tried to push the children away from Jesus, and he said, let them come. This is what the kingdom of God is really like. Is your Christmas simple? Now, I have a rule about toys at Christmas. We don't do anything that has to be assembled. You see, I'm, I'm not a handyman. I'm not a Mr. Fix-It. I'm a Mr. Break-It. And it's good to know your limits, okay? And so we never would do that. In fact, when Laura and I were young, another thing I did that I don't ever do anymore was I ordered a table, and you had to put it together. And I spent all day long putting this table to put a lamp on in my office, and I still don't know where some of those parts go but that table still stands and the lamp is still there. But you know, I learned something. I learned don't ever do that again. And so I don't, I don't assemble things. This year my wife decided that she would save money. And so she ordered some things for our new place where we live. Some things that had to be assembled. 
She didn't even bother to ask me because after all, she's the one who has the toolbox at our house. And so she got them out and she started putting them together and she worked and she worked and she rested and she worked some more. And there were all these little white dots of styrofoam that went everywhere. It was just like Easter grass. You couldn't get rid of it, it multiplied. And so she finally would get one thing put together and then there would be another box and she would open it up and try to put it together. And, and we had all these boxes now that we had to get rid of, which at our place is no small feat. I won't go into it, but it takes a while, okay? And so it was a challenge for us. And I learned, hey, I'm not going to put things together. And you know, when she got through doing all that, I think she's learned too. She looked at me and said, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. And I said, good, baby. I don't think you should. One year, I took our older daughter, Elizabeth, to the store. I asked her to pick out the bicycle she wanted. I said to the guy who ran the store, I want that bicycle. He said, okay, we got it over here in a box. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't want anything in a box. I want that bicycle right there. I want that one in my vehicle. That's what I want. I want you to pick it up and put it in my truck. I'm going to pay you for it. That's the one I want, and that's the one we got. And let me tell you, Elizabeth rode her bicycle and we had peace for one more day at our house. It was wonderful. At a psychiatrist convention, two psychiatrists walked up by another psychiatrist and he said to them, good morning. The two looked at each other and one of them said, I wonder what he meant by that. You see, it's nothing that complicated. It's just something simple to understand. That's what we need to do. You know, the profound theologian, Karl Barth, so brilliant, so in intellectual, so intelligent. They asked him, they said, you know so much, you've studied so long, you're so brilliant. Give us some words of wisdom. Say something profound. He thought for just a minute and then he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, if you think about it, that's pretty profound, isn't it? It's amazing that Jesus would do that, but he does. There's nothing complex about it. The house of Jesus, it was a simple house. Second, it was a singing house. If you read the first two chapters of Luke, it tells the Christmas story, and it's punctuated with music. When Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her she would have a child, you have there the Ave Maria. When Mary tried to say to Gabriel, hey, you must have the wrong person. I'm a virgin. I couldn't give birth to a child. But he convinced her and she said, my soul will magnify the Lord and I will be his servant. There you have the Magnificat. And when the angels appeared to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, there you have the Benedictus. When the angels appeared to the shepherds on the hillside and they began to sing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's why singing is such an important part of Christmas and the Christmas story. Our music here is wonderful. I enjoy it so much. I get with Bill and the rest of the team and I work with them all week so they can practice and get it just right. And you did a great job, by the way, last night and today. Marvel, just like we practiced, Bill. It was great. I hope you get a chance to watch it online. You know, John Wesley had some rules for singing and he wrote them in the Methodist hymnal. And the third rule, I don't know if you ever read that back when we had the Methodist hymnals, but the third rule says this, sing all 
See that you join in with the congregation as frequently as you can. And then he gave these words of wisdom. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up and you will find a blessing. Maybe he was talking to you or me about the way we sing, right? Maybe we don't feel like it's such a blessing. Maybe it seems like it's a challenge, but that's what he says. Those are part of his instructions for singing. Our Christmas music is something that we sing the message of Christmas, and that's why we leave here singing it. Is your house a singing house? Now, third, Jesus' house was a serene house. Jesus says, my peace passes all understanding. There was peace, no tree with lights. There was peace there, though. There was no smell of home cooking, but there was peace. The whole message of Christmas is really punctuated with peace. The first words those shepherds what said to the angels, or the shepherds to the from the angels, was saying, "Peace on earth, goodwill to men." You remember when the disciples were out on a boat and a storm came up, and Peter cried out for Jesus to help. You see, what Peter wanted was for Jesus to steal the storm, but Jesus taught Peter a lesson. Jesus didn't want to take Peter out of the storm. He wanted to take the storm out of Peter. God doesn't always change our circumstances. Sometimes God changes us. Years ago, Dr. Pierce Harris was the preacher at First Methodist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And he told a story of going to visit a poor family on Christmas. They had a little two-year-old boy who wanted a tricycle for Christmas. He described the house. It was beautifully decorated, and there was a tree with a tricycle underneath. But the little boy had gotten sick just a few days earlier, and the doctors couldn't cure him, and he died. And Dr. Harris said he had never been in a home at Christmas that had a beautiful tree and decorations, candles and a tricycle under the tree. And over in the corner, there was a little white box that was a casket and there was a blank stare from a mother and father mourning the loss of their son but communicating a quiet confidence of peace they shared with dr harris about a little boy who wouldn't get a tricycle for christmas but then they said but he won't need it because he's in heaven with jesus listen if you take your peace from the world, the world will take it away. But in Philippians it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It was a serene house. Now fourth, it was a spacious house. There were Gentiles and Jews there were wise men and shepherds, and there were animals. In fact, there may have been more animals attending the birth of Jesus than there were humans. And if anybody wanted to, they could respond to the star, and they could become part of that house. 
It wasn't confined to any one type of people. The house of Jesus is one that welcomes everyone. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever, that means rich, poor, black, white, good, bad, young, old, it doesn't matter who you are, you can be saved. Remember when Jesus came to his hometown one day and a delegation came to meet him and said, Hey, Master, your family has come to see you, your mother and your brothers. And Jesus shocked them because he said to the crowd, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Isn't it marvelous to know that no matter where you are today, if you hear the knock of Jesus upon your heart and you open up your heart, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God's house is big enough to move in and to live there with you forever. During the Depression, a housewife, a mother of several children, received a knock at the door of her house. She opened the door to a desperate woman who asked, please, please, may I spend the night in your home? The housewife began to make a mental inventory. How many beds, how many couches, how many quilts, how many blankets? The small size of her home, the large size of her family, and it was already occupied in every part. It seemed impossible, but the stranger anticipated and headed off the answer of the woman. She said, please, if there's room in your heart, there's room in your home. And that night, a house that was already full found space for one more. Do you have room in your house this Christmas for Jesus? Does he have a place in your home? A woman put flowers on her son's grave weekly, and the caretaker said to her, You know, that's really a waste of money. You could give that money that you spend on those flowers to a homeless shelter or to a prison or to those maybe in need in the inner city. And the woman got angry and she said, go away. But one month later, she returned and thanked him. And then she began spending her time helping the poor, volunteering in a nursing home and at the hospital. As her heart changed, her house began to grow beyond herself and become spacious enough for others. A spacious house is one that goes beyond ourselves. Fifth, it was a sacrificial house. We get so caught up in a little innocent baby in a manger that we forget that one day he'll grow up and be a man and die on a cross. We forget that he's described as the lamb who is without spot or blemish, blameless, the lamb who would be offered for the sins of the whole world. Christmas wasn't just a little sweet birth. It was God's love that came into the world in such a form to not only say, I love you, but then to show us his love by his death on a cross. My advisor in seminary was Dr. J.T. Siemens. He and his wife, Ruth, were missionaries for most of their lives. 
Ruth tells the story of a poor Korean lady that they knew. The lady's husband had been killed on Christmas Eve, and this Korean lady was pregnant. And so she started to make her way to a missionary couple's home, and she had to walk two miles in four feet of snow. When she got within 100 yards of the house, she felt the birth pains bearing down, and she couldn't go any further. The child was ready for delivery. So she crawled down under a bridge to get out of the water and see, out of the weather and seek refuge. And there she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. She didn't bring any clothes for that little boy. She wasn't planning on such a sudden birth. She was too weak to move. And so she just took off her coat and she wrapped that little baby up. But she got to worrying about it. And so she took off her sweater and then other parts of her clothing. She began to wrap that little baby up to keep him warm. She found a gunny sack and she wrapped him up until he was like a little cocoon. And soon she was totally naked, but that baby was all wrapped up. And that mother froze to death that night. The missionary was delivering food the next morning, which was Christmas day. And as he was going home, his Jeep ran out of gas on top of that bridge. When it happened, he heard something, and he heard it again. And he crawled down under that bridge, and he found a little baby crying next to the frozen body of his mother. The baby was all wrapped up in a cocoon to stay warm. And he took that little baby home, and he and his wife adopted that child. And the little baby would often say when he grew up, Tell me about my parents. But they never did until he was 12 years old. On his 12th birthday, on Christmas Day, they told him what had happened. And he said, I want you to take me to the grave of my mother. So they took him out to the cemetery on a cold blizzard of a day. And the ground was packed with snow. And they found the marker of his mother and they uncovered it. And then the little boy said to his parents, I want to be alone with her. And so they backed off as he stood at the base of the grave. And he knelt down there and said, God, I thank you for a mother who loved me so much. And then he stood up and he stepped back and he said, Mother, why would you do a thing like that for me? And as the snow fell across his face, this little boy took off his jacket. And then he took off his sweater. And with each piece of clothing, he would look at the grave marker and he would say, Mother, were you colder than this for me? And then he took off his socks and his shoes and his shirt. And each time he would take off a piece of clothing, he would say, Mother, were you colder than this for me? And as he continued to take off his clothing until he was totally naked and the snow caked on the skin of his little body, with tears in his eyes, he kept saying, Mother... Were you colder than this for me? And finally, he just fell on the grave and he tried to hug it. And he said, Mother, I love you. I love you. And during this season, you and I can remember Jesus' hands and his brow and his side. And whenever you feel like you're in pain of some kind, you can just say, Jesus, did you hurt more than this for me? See, he wasn't just a sweet little baby.
but he became the sacrificial lamb for you and me. And at Christmas, we ought to fall down on our knees and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. How pretty is your home? How decorated is it? Jesus isn't interested in the stable in Bethlehem this morning, but he's interested in making his home in your heart. Just hear him knock and let him in. It's simple. You'll sing. You'll experience serenity. It's spacious enough for everyone. You'll begin to understand his sacrifice. Let Jesus make his home in your heart. And then you can say, I've got the most beautiful home at Christmas. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your son Jesus, for his birth, for his life, for his death, for his resurrection, for our salvation. We pray that we might take his spirit with us, not only at Christmas, but each day of the year that we might be your witnesses, your hands and feet, your voice. We might be your ears, your eyes. We might be your heart for someone else who needs you. We pray in your son's name. And all God's children said. I want you to know that Miss Connie is doing fine. She stayed through the service. And uh, so thank you for praying over her.